I won't complain. I'm be thankful for the presence of God today. I, uh, I've had a sense all week, uh, just an expectation, and I know I say this quite often, if you're around me, for the Lord to make our ceiling the floor. Does that make sense? Spiritually speaking, that the ceiling that we perceive right now will become our floor one day. And uh, I'm praying that our church becomes a breeding ground for miracles and for the power and presence of God. I can sense he is up to something. I'm sure you can too. Well, I want to welcome everybody to New Song Church, and it's so good to see you today. And it's been a good week for me. My family got into town, as you guys heard. And so it has been good. And um, it's been, you know, it's kind of those, those times in my life where I really haven't spent a lot of time away from them, and it was about eight weeks or so. And then when the girls come in and you know, Aria jumps on me and hugs me and doesn't let go. I mean, it's just one of those moments in life that you just, you don't forget and uh, you don't take for granted. And a family means a lot. Um, and uh, if, if you're in a place right now where your family doesn't mean a lot, I want to encourage you to get to a place where you're seeing the value of family. And if you don't have a family, we want to welcome you to be part of our family here at New Song. There's a lot of people that love hugging here and loving you. And so welcome to New Song. If you're a guest today, we'd love to get to know who you are. All you get to do is uh, grab the connection card and uh, fill it out. And we got our new mugs in this week. And uh, they're pretty cool. And so it's a gift from us to you guys. Uh, People are really excited about the mug. It's a free gift. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we're continuing our sermon series. Uh, did everyone get a worship guide or a bulletin? Did everyone get one? Yeah? Great. If you didn't, just raise your hand and our ushers will bring you a, a bulletin real quick. And we're continuing our sermon series called All In being a follower of Jesus for life. And I think sometimes in the church world, in the world of programming, we've sometimes come to believe that certain things that a church must do have to be a program. But in this sermon series, we've been looking at things like biblical community, like faith and your personal transformation in your life. Uh, we've been talking about making room, uh, making a difference. In fact, last week, was one of my all-time favorite messages that I personally spoke, and it was about making a difference, that one person can make a difference, and not necessarily an organization. You don't need a group of people. You don't need a church. You don't need a country. You don't need the whole world. One person. Genesis says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And that the Lord was upset at the world, and he saw what was going on. And he was about to wipe out the whole world. And Noah, but Noah, found favor. One person can make a difference. All week long, I've been praying, I've been seeking the Lord. The Lord brought us to Cleveland. And I said, you know what, God, not even as a pastor of a church, I want to be that one person. I want to be the one person that when I get to the streets of Cleveland, that I can change the judgment of God, because there is such a thing, because of who I am to the Lord. And I began to pray this prayer over my life and say, God, let me be that person. So I'm not too worried about the pastoring side when it comes to these kind of conversations with the Lord. I'm more worried about lost people, people that don't have hope, that are struggling in the world. And as believers, we have a challenge 
And it's not to believe on how we can overcome evil, but how we can align ourselves with what God wants to do. And so this week, I want to talk about something that is very important and very important to who we are as believers. And I believe the foundation in in which we build as we move towards this. And that topic is, is prayer. I believe, and I come from the school of thought, that nothing spiritual happens without prayer. If you're here today and you're looking for hope, I'm asking you to consider praying. See, God doesn't hear the kind of words that you think you need to say or speak or learn or the kind of degree you need to speak theologically to hear your prayers. He wants a sincere heart, a heart that's transparent, a heart whose motive is to align yourselves with what God wants for your life. So today I want to talk about the fact that prayer is going to be a foundation on which we must grow as believers. If I asked you uh, to take a test today and rate our prayer lives, very few of us would give ourselves an A+. I don't even think I would give myself an A+. I have to be honest. I pray a lot. In fact, if you think you deserve an A+, you probably need more time in prayer about thinking about yourself too high. Amen, right? None of us would say it's not important. Nobody would refuse prayer if someone wanted to pray for you. All of us need prayer and want prayer. Amen? And most importantly, prayer connects us to the heartbeat of God. My daughter was born, my second daughter was born about a year ago. After she's born, I don't know if you, you may know this already, but babies like to hear heartbeats because when they're inside the mom, they kind of feel and hear the heartbeat. So they're used to the sound of a heartbeat. They're used to the noise of the heartbeat. In fact, there's little machines that you can get. You can hit play and it's the sound of a heartbeat and they fall asleep because it gets them to be cozy. See, I think so many times in our walk and journey with God, we're missing the pulse of our relationship with Jesus. And we're searching for that pulse, but you can't find it because your prayer life may be dead. And it's so important that if we want direct access to God in times of weakness or in strength, in times of good or bad, that you are connected to this heart beat. So when life gets busy with work and school, how many of you guys know school is starting this week, right? Everyone's getting back to the routine of life. It's important when we're hanging out with family and activities and hobbies, multiple businesses. And I said this last week, if you're a millennial in here, you got to stop doing too much. You got to have margin in your life. Just because you have five businesses making $10 each does not mean that it's a great thing. Dwindle it down, focus in. With all the busyness, we ought to remember that we can't stop the busyness to pray. I want to say that again. We should not try to stop the busyness to pray. It's never going to work. We have to recognize that when life gets busy... It's too busy not to pray. I want to explain that a little bit. If you're here today and you've tried to stop a busy life to pray, you probably have failed miserably. Without recognizing that life is too busy not to pray. So we're in a place in in society where we're doing a lot. We've got a lot going on. We've got a lot of things happening. We're balancing different things. And I know life gets busy. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. God knows this. He recognizes it. He's not asking you to add him to your checklist. He wants to be the filter of your checklist. See, we have to get to a place where we cannot move forward without recognizing that we pray. 
You may have heard of saints of God saying that you, you wake up in the morning and the first thing you ought to do is your devotions. Have you ever wondered why? It's because the first thing of the day needs to be going to God and saying, God, I got a crazy busy day today. I got crazy people I need to deal with today. I don't have enough money today. I don't enough, have enough emotional capacity for today. But I know you're in control and you have a purpose. That's why you start in the morning. Have you ever tried uh, doing your devotions at night? I used to do them for a long time and uh, at night. And uh, recently the Lord told me, hey, you got to quit doing your devotions at night. You complain too much about your day. There's nothing wrong with doing your devotions at night. You know, people have to do different things. But the truth is that sometimes we can turn our prayer times into a time of complaining before the Lord versus saying to the Lord, the reality of our life, who he is, can come together and he can show us how to live as a believer today, not tomorrow, today. So how's your prayer life Today, Mother Teresa, in the collection of prayers in the book, A Gift for God, says this, the more we receive in silent prayer, the more we can give in our active life. We need, to silent, we need silence to be able to touch souls. So do we have times in our life where we are before the Lord, where we have assigned a place before the Lord to say, God, your agenda is my agenda. Have you ever taken everything that you need and said, God, you already know what I need because you're God. I'm going to go ahead and put it aside and say, not my will, but yours. It was about seven or eight years ago. We found out we were pregnant with, uh, with Aria, expecting and uh, we were about 18, 19 weeks into the process, we found out that Aria had this calcium spot on her heart. That meant different things. And so they, you know, like they should do, they put us in a little room, handed us, handed us some pamphlets and said the reality of what this could be, uh, that she could have a syndrome, she could have some things, and they just wanted to make sure it was a liability thing. And I remember in that moment thinking to the Lord, because it was pretty real. And if you're a first-time parent and you hear that news, you're kind of thinking, something's wrong with the baby right now. What, what, what do we do? And uh, we're sitting in this real tight room with this, this desk that barely fits in there. Audrey and I were in there with the, the, the specialist, because that's when you know something's wrong, when the, when the OBGYN sends you to the specialist. And they kind of give us these pamphlets. And I remember this, this piece that was in my life, and it was, just, it was just there. I remember thinking, I should be more worried at this point. And the Lord just told me, why would you? I'm already in control, Amen. right? Amen. But what would happen if I didn't have that connection in that moment? I'd probably break down and fall apart, to be honest. The Lord told me that everything is going to be okay. That's what he said. And we just said, this is God's daughter. This is God's girl. She'll be fine. And if she's not okay, we'll be fine. God's going to take care of us. Now, you see that little miracle running around. Right? I think that, you know, I really believe, I love medical science, and I love our doctors and medical personnel. If you're a nurse in here, I love our science. But I really think that a life of prayer creates this type of consistent relationship with Jesus. It's not activity before the Lord, but a life of prayer. So how's your prayer life today? The disciples had a question about, about how to pray. Just like probably you're saying, look, pastor, I want to pray. I know I need prayer. I know prayer is important, but how do we pray? And Jesus in Matthew 6, he, he says this uh, story and he narrates this for them. He says this, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. Do you know hypocrites pray too? 
For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. God is attacking the motive of our hearts when we pray. He's basically saying, hey, if you love to pray out loud and to be seen in public doing it, you got your reward. People heard you. People think you can pray well. Good for you. <laughs> Verse 6 says, but, when, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room. See, that word room actually talks about the storeroom of our lives. Where is the place that nobody else is a part of? Is God a part of that place? It's usually the place where we keep our secrets. It's usually the place that nobody else knows, maybe not even our spouse. It's the secret place. Close your door. In other words, leave what's behind you. Focus on the Lord and pray to your Father who is what? In the secret. My question to you today, is Jesus in your secret place? Is he part of the room that you've created in your heart where you keep all of your stuff? The stuff that you don't want no one else to know or hear about. Here's why. Because when we align our secret place with the Lord, and he is part of that secret place, here's what happens. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, and it's not, we're all Gentiles here, but this con context is talking about people that are unbelievers, okay? Hindus and Muslims and the other religions. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. A couple years ago, as a pastor, the Holy Spirit told me to stop saying Father God. You know what I'm talking about? Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God. It was like, it was just a nervous habit, to be honest. I wasn't trying to be anybody, but it was Father God, Father God, Father God. And the Holy Spirit just told me, you got to stop pretending like you're not with me when you're with me. Do you get what I'm saying? So if I'm, I'm going to lunch with Audrey and I'm sitting across the table, maybe she came from somewhere else. I'll say, hey, babe, how's it going? How's it going? She'll sit down. What if I said, hi, Audrey? Hi, Audrey. Hi, Audrey. She'd be like, what is wrong with you? Why are you introducing yourself again and again and again and again? So prayer is not about repetition. It's not about words. It's about your heart coming to alignment with who God is. It's a personal connection. Have you ever thought about how my, if I'm at lunch with Audrey, I'm catching up with what happened the last eight weeks. I'm talking to her about how much I missed her and the kids. Maybe there's some important things to discuss and we're discussing it. It's a conversation, right? God wants to have a conversation with you. That's what prayer is. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's a good Father. See, I know exactly what Aria wants when she sees ice cream. She don't even need to ask me. What do you think she wants when I'm around ice cream? I already know. See, that's who the good Father is. He knows what you need even before you ask Him. All you got to do is ask him. You want to know why if your dad in here? Because it kind of feels good when my kids ask me and I can provide for them. So are we in a posture in our prayer where we're so busy thinking that we have to do something in order for God to accept our requests? 
or are we in a place where we're saying, he already knows. So if it's his will, all I need to do is ask him, he already knows, and it's going to come to fruition. Can it be that simple that some of the miracles in our lives are on the verge of actually being fulfilled and all we're doing, we're pretending, we're just dancing, we're doing jumping jacks, we're going to church, we're giving money, we're climbing up steps, we're doing everything we can do to impress God and God saying, I don't need you to impress me. I'm your dad. I know who you are. I've seen you without makeup. I know what you look like in your home. I know who you really are. Be yourself. Stop being somebody else. Stop being the fake you. Mm. Pray then this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in We're on to something now, aren't we? We don't have to wait to heaven. This scripture says it can be on earth as it is. Is there any pain in heaven? Is there any need in heaven? Do we need miracles in heaven? Do we need to pray in heaven? So what are we waiting for? Let's have a conversation to the Lord and let's align ourselves to what he has for us. See, the difference, I believe, in prayers that are heard and prayers that are not is in these three principles. And Jesus lays them out so simply for us to learn. The first is this, prayer should be in secret, Matthew 6, 5 to 6 says this, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then the father who sees everything, your public and your private life will reward you. I love the New King James version of this. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So why is this important? This is important because number one, to avoid display. To avoid display. Prayer is not the recognition of godliness. It is not the recognition of godliness. Just because you can pray good doesn't mean that you have the heart of God. You might just be good at the language of prayer, but it is the language of our faith. When you are praying, what you're doing is you're speaking a language of your faith. That's what's happening. Case Western has a lot of Asian students. We got any Case Western students here today? Make some noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay. And so I have come to find some of my Chinese friends in Case Western. And a lot of them are learning English. A lot of them are really good at English. And so if if I'm interacting with a student, whether from China or another part of the world, that does not know English, How silly would it be for me to continue talking to that person in English? It'd be pretty silly, isn't it? See, the language of our prayer should be our faith. That's what it is. When you're going to God, you don't have to present him with anything but your faith. So if you're on a scale of zero to 10, you might be saying, well, Pastor Clint, I only have one. I'm only at one. I'm a new believer here. I don't even have a lot of faith. Give that faith to him and say, God, I don't even know how to pray properly, but I'm just trying to pray. And guess what the Holy Spirit does? That's exactly where I want you to be. Maybe you're here today and you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. 
and you are praying, and you are like, I, nothing's really working for me, Pastor. I'm kind of stuck. Would you just open up your heart and your mind and tell the Lord, this is who I am, and this is what I need? Stop messing around with the Lord. Let your faith do the talking. You know, he's not saying that we shouldn't pray in public, because I think praying in public is great. We do that every Sunday. I think we need to do more of it. We need to do more corporate prayer meetings. We need to do more prayer nights, all of that. He is saying to us that the motives of our heart need to be heard and seen to him first before anybody else. Prayer is not the recognition of godliness. Have you guys, uh, how many of you guys have been to Royal Rangers before? Any Royal Rangers, Royal Ambassadors? You know, sometimes we have, we have treated Christianity like this badge structure, you know, like you get a treat every time you do something. So when you learn how to pray, you get a little badge. I learned how to pray. Here's a badge. I learned how to give. Here's a badge. I learned how to be uh, going to church every Sunday. Here's a badge. I learned how to serve. Here's a badge. Have I summarized most of it? I got baptized. Here's a badge, right? And we have this mentality, and the Holy Spirit is not interested in your credentials. He is interested in your heart. He's interested in your faith. Number two, to avoid distraction. Praying in your secret life leads to praying with focus intensity. This is only possible when you have a secret place. I know for me, I got to be honest, with my life, it is absolutely berserk. When you got an automated alarm clock, and the alarm clock's name is Autumn Rain Curuvilla, you know, your life is a little crazy. She wants what she wants. She wakes up when she wants to. She gets fed when she wants to. Diaper changes, bats, and I try to help, but rarely do. And there's chaos in my life. When do I get time to pray? My favorite time of day to pray is on my way to the office in Orange. I used to do this a lot when I was in Texas, but now it's even better because there's a little intersection there at Lander and Harvard where there's no cell phone reception. (laughs) It's my favorite because I get to basically say, well, I can't take phone calls either. So for 20 to 25 minutes every morning, it is just me and Jesus. No worship music, nothing. Me and Jesus. Sometimes it gets a little vocal. Sometimes if you're riding next to me, you're going to think like, is that guy okay? Because I'm getting pretty intense in my conversation with Jesus. Sometimes it might seem like I'm singing out loud or something, you know, but I'm just worshiping God. Do you have a secret place that nobody else can be a part of? Not your spouse, not your family, not your kids, not your boss, not anybody. Do you have a secret place? It's very important for us to be in a place where there's no distractions before the Lord. Because when he speaks, it is life and death. He can give you what you need, and it might not be actually what you think you need, but you need to hear his directions. The second principle to leading a successful prayer journey is that prayer should be sincere. How many of you guys know sincere people? What you see is what you get, right? Some of you guys are like, Pastor, I have no sincere people in my life whatsoever. Who are these people? There are people that are functioning in a place in their walk with God that there's a sincerity to who they are. They don't need to impress you. They don't need you to impress them. They are who they are. They are good in their own skin. They are comfortable in their own skin. Have you ever wondered where confidence in the Lord comes from? It comes from your prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, I guarantee you, you will have insecurities in your life. It's not that you won't have insecurities if you do pray. It's the fact that the Lord shows them to you, and he works on it first with you. One of the biggest changes in my prayer life was years ago when I used to pray for all of the enemies in my life, all the people talking all the time. 
If you're in ministry for any time at all, you're going to get those people. People love to talk. I like it too, you know? I understand. Because what else are you going to do? You got to talk about something. And that used to affect me a lot. I used to feel like David. I was like, I'm going to write another book of Psalms and complain about all the enemies that I have, right? (laughs) And the Lord told me every single time I went to him in prayer with this person's face or name, he would say, I've got a plan for you. I'd be like, you don't, you don't hear, you didn't hear me right, Holy Spirit. I said, you need to go ahead and get rid of this person. And you know what he says? I have a plan for your life. You know what prayer does? It changes you first. If you're looking for other people to change, guess what God does in your prayer time? He changes you first. He changes me first. That's what prayer does. See, this is the real reason why people don't pray. It's not that it's hard to pray. It's the fact that when we do get into the presence of God, all these kind of things start coming up. But pastor, I really don't want to forgive that person. You know, the Bible teaches that you are to go and ask for forgiveness from the person before you come and offer penance, that he won't hear your prayers until you go. Why? Because it's about you first. So we want the miracles without the price of relationship. It never works. If you're not in sync with the Holy Spirit, with a sincere heart, what you're going to find out is you are praying to a God that is not our God. It's a God that you have created in your mind that's going to give you whatever you want. It's called a genie in a bottle. Any Christina Aguilera fans here, right? Oh, no. Amen. Take that picture out of your mind. You know, for me, it was clear that as the Lord has been leading me, that it starts with me. Prayer starts with me. It doesn't start with anybody else. A successful prayer journey, it's in secret. The second is this, a successful prayer journey should be sincere. When you pray, don't babble on and on as some people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask Him. How cool is that? How many guys have needs that you would ask for prayer for today? No one has to talk about it. All of us, so many hands going around, right? You have so many needs. God knows your need. He knows every single need represented in this room today. See, we pray because we believe that God is for us and not against us. But some of us have had fathers who have not treated us right, and therefore we go to God with the same expression that we received from our fathers, because we've never had good fathers in our lives, that we think our God is a bad father. Do you know that would affect your way of approach to him? So if you're here today and you've not had a good father, There are tons of dads here today. Look around. They will adopt you. They will love on you. They will help you recognize who our Heavenly Father is. Sincere hearts don't find God. Sincere hearts recognize that God was with you all along. See, our goal isn't to clean up our life so that we can become closer to God. Our goal is to recognize that He is with us all along the journey. In the high points of life, God is with you. In the low points of life, God is with you. When you're sinning, 
God is with you saying, all you need to do is pray and I have a way out. What you do in secret, if it is the Lord, he will bless you. Hebrews 10, says, let us draw near to God with a what? Sincere heart and with full assurance that what brings? Faith. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, but with the full assurance of what? Our faith. How's your faith today? Are you moving towards God with the faith that you have? Or are you waiting on the sidelines saying, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. I mean, how many guys, let's be honest, if you've got kids in your life, how many times can you really listen to that without saying, snap out of it? You're not having dessert tonight after dinner. Stop it. Snap out of it, right? That's what I tell Ari all the time. Last night, she's like, I need dinner. I mean, I need dessert after dinner. And mom said no, and she came to me. And I said no, and then she was going to go to someone else. And she realized there's nobody else. <laughs> That's kind of what we do in our prayer life. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pick Audrey because she's really good at prayer. Because she can touch God. So I'm going to go get her to pray for me because her prayers are more powerful. But her faith cannot heal us. You see what I'm saying? It is our faith as it is. Even if it's a little, that's all God needs. See, sometimes we think that we have to get this advanced course in prayer when God is always saying, no, you don't. Just come with yourself. Today is a little different message. I want to make sure that we lay the foundations for our church to be a house of prayer. Because this has been something real different for me as I was preparing this message. The Lord told me that nothing is going to happen until we pray. Until we get a heart to go after God, no amount of upgrades will change anything. Until we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and our sincere hearts recognize that he's with us, nothing's going to change. Because here's the deal. At the end of the day, God is not interested in a big church. God is not interested in a cool church. God is not interested in a cool pastor. God is not interested in great programs or great kids' ministry. Or God is not interested to get us the BMW 7 Series that you always wanted your whole life. This is not what he's interested in doing, guys. In case you're wondering, like, God, I need that 7 Series. I know that you have this for me. This is not what God is about. God is interested in you. He's interested in who you are. He's not interested in what you can do for him. Here's the third and final principle for leading a successful prayer. And that is that prayer should be cumulative. Now, I know that's a large word. To be honest, I tried to find another word. The picture that came into my mind was a little tiny snowball on the top of a snow mountain. And as it was rolling down the hill, it became larger and larger and larger and larger. Have you ever wondered why we pray? Like if God's in control of everything and he knows what everything's going to happen and how everything's going to pan out, why should we pray? Have you ever asked God that question? Like why does prayer matter? Like can we really intersect with our faith and our prayers what God wants to do? And the answer is yes. But it's in the consistency. How many of you guys work out here? Don't be afraid. It's something to be proud about. Yeah, a lot of you, quite a a few of you. Can you imagine not working out for a week and cramming cramming in all of the workouts that you were supposed to do in one week in one day? You think it's going to work out? That's kind of what it looks like when we're praying when we have a need. 
oh, the knee's here now. I better go to the front to get prayer. Or the knee's here now. I better fill out the connection card. They got a little spot now so I can write it in. The knee's here now. I better go get prayer from someone who knows how to pray. God is interested in our daily routine with him. You can just whisper to him, you know, before a tough meeting, if you're a business person here, before a tough meeting, you can just whisper right before the meeting, right before, God, help me not to kill my boss. (laughs) If you're going into a tough conversation with your kids, right, you can say, Holy Spirit, help me navigate this conversation with my child. And everybody who was a teenager said, Amen. You can change your every day if you just learn how to pray. It's a cumulative effect. It's often in the prayer habits that we develop, that we recognize that God is with us. Kunle, can you come up and and play? I want us to know as a church that God is up to something. And we all recognize that. We do, and I love it. And so many of you are in it to win it. And I feel like God's up to something in the Heights area, in Orange, in Cleveland. But how sad would it be if we got everything else right except our connection to God. If I were to ask you today, do you have a time and place in your life every day? If I was just to talk to you, do you have a time and place? Do you have a real relationship with Jesus or are you playing church? What would the answer be? So in your notes, I made it easy for you guys today. Made it real easy. I want you to write down the time that you're going to meet every day with Jesus. I want you to write down the place that's just going to be the place between you and Jesus. See, if you want miracles to be part of your life, and I'm talking to the young people here too today, because I'm telling you, sometimes you guys are distracted with what you think Christianity is. You think it's about the flash when at the end of the day, what God's going to ask you is about your relationship with him. And if you're under 35 here today, I want to ask you a question. Is, is your relationship based on how you were raised or do you have a thriving relationship with Jesus? Do you look forward to being in his presence or are you like, oh, I can't wait to be famous for Jesus? I can't wait to rock with the Jesus stuff. I can't wait for God to give me gifts and talents and use me in a mighty way. All of the seasoned saints are like, oh, I gave up on that dream a long time ago. God wants to know who you are and he wants to meet your need. Number two, devotions. It's pretty basic stuff, right? Yet we struggle as believers. Why do we struggle? I really believe the enemy distracts us from what's real in our journey with God. How many of you guys use soap to take a bath every day? Hopefully. It was real quiet here. At the end of the service, we are handing out free bars of soap. In case you don't use soap, please use soap. Everybody knows who you are (laughs) and deodorant. Here's what SOAP stands for. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Read a passage or scripture, verse. Observation, write down any insights you're gleaning from that scripture. Application, write down how you can apply what you have learned to your life that day. Prayer. Write a prayer to the Lord asking for his help to apply his truth. 
I guarantee you, if you do this, your heart and life will be changed, regardless of your circumstance, a year from now. You know, I like the fact that it says write down, because it draws a line in the sand. You either have time or you don't. You're not just going to go ahead and say the Our Father and leave. You're going to have to process through your devotions. And as you process through your devotions, the Holy Spirit begins to use the Word of God into your life and changes you forever. Number three, fasting. Starting tomorrow, I'm inviting all of our members and attendees, anyone that calls New Song their church home. We're going to go on a 21-day fasting journey. Oh my goodness, pastor, you're taking away food. Trust me, if you know me, I love food too, okay? On the way out, there's this copy. I've put together a document on why we fast. I want you to pick this up if you're interested in in fasting. There's three kinds of fasting. There's a partial fast, there's an absolute fast, which I doubt any of you guys are going to do. And there's a normal fast. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to develop a life of prayer and fasting. See, there, there are certain things that Scripture teaches that only gets loosed with what? Prayer and fasting. You know, certain things, struggles, maybe even curses in your life that you, you will only get loosed if you pray and fast. Now, wh- what's the big deal about fasting? Fasting's not a big deal, okay? Some of you guys are like, well, I need to lose a few pounds, so this sounds like a great idea. That is not why you fast, <laughs> okay? And if you can't medically do this, I'm asking you to pick up something else like social media or television or whatever else. The thing about fasting is, if you don't have time for God in the day, you eat three times, don't you? So you take that time that you normally put towards eating, and you say, God, I'm devoting this time to you. And so when your stomach's growling, and you're saying, God, I need you, there's a little bit more focus required. So pick up that that handout. I'm recommending that if you can, and I'm not going to be a legalistic type of a pastor, okay? I want you to at least fast one meal a day. Can you do that? Yeah? I want to encourage you to do that. Number two, or number four, sorry. My notes are all over. We are going to start corporate prayer here at the Heights campus during these 21 days. So Monday through Thursday for the next three weeks, we're going to open up our building during lunchtime, a little before noon and all the way to one, and we're going to open it up for prayer here. And I'm inviting all of you guys to be part of it. And if you're fasting, come and pray with us. You know, I'm going to be fasting, and I'll cry on your shoulders about not eating tacos or barbecue. Okay, And then we'll get right to business and pray together. Secondly, on Sunday, August 26th, we are having a corporate prayer meeting right here at 6 p.m. So that's next Sunday night. We're having a corporate prayer meeting. And we're believing God for Ohio, for Cleveland, for other cities around the area. Thirdly, for the next three Wednesday nights... We're having a special interactive prayer service where we're going to have worship and prayer and a mixture of the two. And I believe God's going to do something special. There's no childcare those nights, but here's the thing. I think this needs to be a family event. I think our kids don't see us praying enough. I think they need to see us praying together. So on Wednesday nights for the next three weeks, we're having prayer meetings. So you're probably asking, well, Pastor, why, why all these things all of a sudden. I'm believing God to show us why. I don't know why, but he has asked us to do this. So if you want a miracle in your life, I want to invite you 
to those prayer opportunities that we have. I want to close with this. I, I read this poem years ago. I like it. I think it would be good for us to hear today. I, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me, he said, but you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all of my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly said, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. I believe that in your personal walk with God, if you can master how to pray, and it doesn't take a lot, God will do the miraculous in and through your life. Not just in church, but in your life. It's not that we're too busy to pray, but it's that life is too busy not to pray. Do you believe the prayer is relevant for today? Amen? This side does. This side, you guys believe the prayer is relevant for today. How about the back section there? You guys are falling asleep a little bit. The AC too cold back there? You believe it? We're going to spend the next seven minutes and we are going to pray. We're going to put into practice what we just heard. I'm not waiting till Wednesday night because I know some of you guys are like, I ain't coming to a prayer meeting. We're going to pray right now. I don't want anyone to leave. I want every eye closed. And you don't have to bow your head. I want you to begin to take your need before the Lord today. You don't have to wait for anyone to pray for you or with you. Just take your need before the Lord. And I just want you to pray in your own words, in your own way. With whatever you know, present your need before the Lord. Spirit, I pray for each need represented here. And I pray for each person represented here. I pray for the reality of who you are to begin to flow into their spirits and their souls right now. I pray that as they move towards you with a sincere heart, would you meet their faith? If you have a physical need in your life today, maybe it's for you or maybe it's for someone else that you're praying for, I just want, to, want you to quickly just stand right where you're at. There's a physical need in your life or for someone else. Stand right where you're at. If you see someone standing next to you, I just want you to place your hands on their shoulder, on their arms, anyone close by. Make sure that everyone who's standing has somebody praying for them. Just place your hand right on their shoulders. There's a couple more people that don't have somebody.
Okay, church, I want you to pray along with me that God would begin to meet their physical need or the need of someone else. And I just want you to believe through faith. Maybe some of you have been healed. And you should pray, God, just like you did it for me, you can do it for them. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now for the miraculous to happen. Not because of the miracle, but it's because it's who you are. So Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus over every physical need. From the top of their head to the bottom of their souls, we plead the blood of Jesus and we ask for healing. In the name of Jesus, in every physical need, I pray, would you meet their need? It's in Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. You can be seated real quick. If there's financial needs here today, anybody with a financial need, I want you to stand up. Anybody with a financial need? Anybody with a financial need? We're going to do it again. You guys ready? Find somebody around you, and we're going to pray for these financial needs. Father, you see these needs. Bills to be met, bills to be paid, dreams and goals and business ventures on the verge of happening or not. I pray for the miraculous of God to come through right now in every physical, financial need. Lord, for loans, I pray for favor with the banks if loans are required. If budgeting is required, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for wisdom and clarity and next steps to establish a budget. For those that are in need that can't place food on their table, I pray for a miraculous financial provision through a job or through groceries or through any other way, Lord. Would you meet each financial need in our church today? Holy Spirit, do what only you can do this week. We expect you to, Lord. You may be seated you're a student or a teacher today, student or teacher, maybe you homeschool, that's okay, I want you to stand up today, student or a teacher. that aren't in school, I want you to gather around these young people and these teachers right now. We're going to pray for them. School is starting this week. Father, I pray for every teacher here today. I pray for the wisdom of God and the patience and the strength and the love of Jesus to be on every word, on every hug, on every assignment, in every classroom represented here today. Lord, I pray that you'd begin to show these teachers the reality of their students and the plan that you have for these students. Would you place favor in the lives of our teachers? Lord, we pray for the students here today. I pray for your wisdom and your clarity and your focus to achieve which, which they might not think is possible to. I pray that you would begin to raise the standard of what you have called each student to do. I pray that they would not wait to grow up to make a difference, but they would know and recognize that you have planted them in the environment they're in to make a difference. For every adult student, I pray right now for the wisdom of God to manage margin in their life when they go back to school. We thank you, God, for safety 
on every campus, university, college, community college, every elementary school, every middle school, every district. We plead the blood of Jesus over our students and our teachers. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Hey, let's all-